Two of the NFL's fiercest rivals getting together for the first time in 2023, a special occasion on Turkey Day at Lumen Field. We're going to be breaking down Seahawks 49ers on Thanksgiving Day here on our latest Crossover Thursday installment, Locked on Seahawks, Locked on 49ers. You are Locked on 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings 12s and 49ers fans, it's time for another Crossover Thursday special here on the Locked On Podcast Network, Locked On Seahawks, Locked On 49ers. I'm Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks Podcast. We're not going to have both Locked On 49ers hosts for this crossover, but we do have Eric Crocker, Locked On 49ers. We're going to be diving into a Thanksgiving special at Lumen Field, first time the Seahawks the 49ers get together this year this episode being brought your way by price picks the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports go to pricepicks.com slash locked on nfl and use a code all lowercase locked on nfl for a first deposit match up to 100 dollars. eric this is a game that i know seahawk fans and 49ers fans they have had circled since the schedule came out in may thanksgiving night the first time these two teams have gotten together on thanksgiving since in 49ers fans' viewpoint, the infamous game where Richard Sherman had two picks on Colin Kaepernick and uh, he and Russell Wilson were at midfield eating turkey after the game. Uh, I know that 49ers fans did not necessarily love that, but that was the way the Seahawks vibe was back in that time period uh, when they were competing for championships. And this is a game that both teams are going a little different directions coming out of last weekend. The 49ers have had a very up-and-down year. You start 5-0, and then lose three straight games. And then the last two weeks have looked like the team that started off 5-0, and ripping off a bunch of points against the Jaguars and the Buccaneers. The defense is playing really well. Where is Where are things at right now for this 49ers team going into this matchup that carries first place weight? If the Seahawks manage to win this game, they're in first place. The 49ers win. They're now two full games in front of the Seahawks in first place in the NFC West. So clearly a really big game coming up at Lumen Field. Yeah, I think if you kind of check the post of the 49ers, uh, especially heading into the bye week, coming off of three straight losses, you know, people are starting to hit that panic button a little bit. But this is a team that definitely they got a little banged up at at a certain point. And uh, I think the bigger question is, can they withstand injuries and how well can they play through them? That's something that they have yet to really be able to answer. But aside from that, when the team is relatively healthy, which they are right now, you have your big dogs, Debo Samuel back, Trent Williams back. Your quarterback is playing at a very high level with all of those guys uh, at his disposal. They traded for Chase Young at the trade deadline. Things are trending back upwards for the 49ers. And I would say that the morale around either the team, their spirits, uh, and the fans are sky high at this very moment right now. And it definitely helps with Brock Purdy coming off of a game where he was nearly perfect for an entire game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, it was a very similar game for him compared to the one that he had at Lumen Field on Thursday night last December where it just felt like everything he was throwing, wide open receivers, and the Seahawks had no answer on defense. And and I can say from Seattle's perspective, you would think the morale, I think from a fan base perspective, the morale is pretty low right now because they just got swept by the Rams who had the 49ers on the ropes earlier this year and they couldn't finish that game off. The, the Rams are one of those teams that I think are better than their record suggest but still the morale from the fans is not very good considering the Seahawks were ahead 
98% of that game, and they found a way to lose it at the very end. Geno Smith is banged up. Ken Walker III banged up. So morale not great for fans, but it still seems like Pete Carroll and, and the players are still feeling pretty good despite what happened on Sunday. They were eager to get right back to work here play on Thursday night and they understand how important this game still is because even though they lost that game as I mentioned a few moments ago Crock, this Seahawks team can be in first place coming out of Thursday night if they can find a way to put everything together and that has been the biggest issue for this football team they have not been able to play four quarters on either side of the football particularly in offense they haven't been able to play more than one quarter in most games this year and it's just been so inconsistent can they, on short week prep, find a way to put everything together with a quarterback that's not at 100%? Or if Drew Locke somehow has to play in this game, I expect that Geno Smith is going to start. He looked fine in that last drive on Sunday when he came back in the game, had a few days to rest here. But can the Seahawks get that offense to play to its potential? Because that has really been the thing holding this team back, not the defense. Can the offense get it done against one of the best defenses in the NFL? That, to me, is really the biggest storyline with the injuries they're dealing with on offense, too. Ken Walker the third, I do not expect to play in this game. Can the other running backs pick up the slack? Can Geno get the job done? And can Shane Waldron call some good plays after his scripted plays are done? That has been the biggest issue here for this team. And uh, there's a lot of ifs here going into a game against a really good football team. You know, Zach Charbonnet, you talked about him having to fill in for a guy like Kenneth Walker. I really like Zach Charbonnet. When I saw uh, the Seattle Seahawks draft him, uh, obviously rookie out of UCLA, how hard he runs. I'm like, okay, that's a tremendous pickup for them and somebody that can definitely compliment uh, to a certain extent the way that Kenneth Walker runs. As far as the rest of just either guys that are banged up or how teams are playing, I think when these teams play each other, you kind of have to throw the – records out of the window you know for a majority of the 2010s we saw the Seattle Seahawks really just dominate the 49ers no matter who was kind of out there whether it was the early 2010s where they split or later where the Seahawks went on a crazy run and you referenced that 2014 game where you know Rich Sherman and and uh, uh, Russell Wilson ate in the middle of the 49ers feel like the fans still have a a bad taste in their mouth for that. And I know that regardless of what's going on, when you have Pete Carroll on that other sideline, you definitely have to respect that team. They're going to be very well prepared regardless of who's out there. Even if a guy like Drew Locke has to go out there and play quarterback, he's going to have them prepared specifically for this game. I don't know if there's some other bad blood between Pete Carroll and the 49ers, but whenever they play, he has this team really up for the challenge. So uh, 49ers fans, I think riding their high horse a little bit, uh, coming off of last year where you swept the Seattle Seahawks, beat them in three straight games. Obviously, that's including the playoff game. But it's a new year. You reset all of that, and now you deal with what's at hand here. And uh, the Seattle Seahawks, I think, regardless, especially if Geno Smith is out there, I think that gives them a better chance. you got a short week uh, of preparation. You have a home game. I think those things kind of favor Seattle a little bit. But obviously, some of the injuries and banged up, not having Kenneth Walker, we'll see what Charbonnet does. Uh, there's going to be a little back and forth, I assume, throughout this game. So I'm excited to kind of see how how they come out, especially with the first couple of drives, because I think that's going to set the stage for the rest of the game. You mentioned bad taste in the mouth. I, I don't care what Pete Carroll said a couple of days ago. The entire offseason was catered to trying to close the gap on the 49ers with going out and aggressively pursuing Draymond Jones and making some of the moves they made in the draft, getting Devin Witherspoon. They wanted to have an aggressor 
at all three levels of the defense that could really help this team close that gap because physicality was the biggest issue, the biggest gap between these two teams last year. And we saw that a playoff game. The Seahawks were ahead at halftime, and then the 49ers punched them in the mouth time and time again in the second half. You know the players that were on this team in January and the coaching staff as well. They have had this game circled, and they're going to be upset with the way things happen on Sunday too. So I do think that the bad blood might get ratcheted up to another level in this game just because of the fact that, you know, the Seahawks, they are, I don't want to say desperate, but to stay in the NFC West race, they have to win this football game and they've got to find a way to get things going. So losing three games of 49ers last year, they certainly have that on their minds this week. And I know Pete Carroll's trying to push the right buttons behind the scenes. Hey, Let's get some revenge here. And then we're right back in first place, the NFC West. And so I do think that this is still a very fun matchup. And speaking of matchups, coming up next, we're going to dive into some of the matchups to watch in this game. And I know from a Seahawk analyst perspective, there are a lot of matchups I'm looking at in this game going, oh boy, this, this has a chance to get ugly. But I also think the Seahawks have some matchups that could work to their favor going into this game as well. We'll dive into those coming up next here on our Crossover Thursday episode here on the Locked On Podcast Network, which is brought your way by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers, and you're not battling pros and sharks. You're battling thousands of other players, and you are picking two to six player stat projections. Watch the winnings roll in. Prize picks is really simple to play. I can make my picks and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. And now the basketball season's here. You can do football and basketball combo projections from the specials league. So, for example, I can have Steph Curry and DK Metcalf at 10.5 three pointers plus receptions. Want to play alongside some of Prize picks' favorite players like rapper Meek Mill? You can now find community plays under the promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the prize picks community each week. It's an absolute blast and it's an easy way to enjoy daily fantasy without any hassle and land quick winnings. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked in NFL and use the code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to hundred dollars. That's prizepicks.com slash locked in NFL and use the code locked in NFL for a first deposit match up to hundred dollars. Prize picks daily fantasy sports made easy. You're listening to Crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Podcast Network, Locked On Seahawks, Locked On 49ers. I'm Corbin Smith, the Locked On Seahawks Podcast. Glad to be joined for today's show by Eric Crocker of Locked On 49ers. This is certainly a matchup, as I've been saying time and time again, that both fan bases, every year you circle the games between these two teams. But this year in particular, getting that first Thanksgiving matchup since 2014, that infamous game with Sherman and Wilson eating the turkey legs at midfield. As you mentioned, Croc, that is still something that fans are very bitter about in Southern California. But going into this rematch, let's talk matchups here because these two teams are very familiar with one another and yet there are some new faces on both teams that are going to be re-entering this rivalry and maybe reinvigorating it a little bit. And that makes it an interesting game to watch on Thursday night. Yeah, definitely. And I think it kind of starts with the 49ers and their defensive line adding a guy like Chase Young to this rivalry, right? Like traded for him at the deadline, was able to get him for a comp third round pick. And so far, the early returns have been very positive. You know, multiple sacks uh, in these games. Uh, he's really complimenting Nick Bosa very well. Hasn't had to be a guy that plays every single snap, 
But when the guy 49ers are out there and trying to pin their ears back to get the quarterback, he's making the presence there. And I think he's actually making it a little bit easier on even some of the other guys like Javon Hargraves. He's a new guy to this rivalry as well. Eric Armstead, definitely uh, very familiar with this rivalry since he's been with the 49ers since 2015 or so, 2014. He's been around for a long time. So, uh the longer, the longest tenured 49er, he's seen the Seahawks a lot. But those other couple guys right there are really going to help. Again, Javon Hargraves and Chase Young and see how they match up against a young offensive line from the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, the Seahawks have not had their starting offensive line, all five projected starters since halftime of week one. Now, I don't know if Abraham Lucas is going to be back for this game. He's been practicing now for a week and a half. I think if this was a Sunday game, there's a very good chance that he is back in the starting lineup. But since it's a Thursday night game, short turnaround, he wasn't ready to play Sunday. I find it hard to believe he's going to be ready. So I expect Jason Peters and Stone Forsythe are going to be rotating at that right tackle position, which scares you going up against what the 49ers have at those edge positions, adding a guy like Chase Young. And I know Seahawks fans were like, really? A comp third-round pick and you get Chase Young? But that's the way that it went. And the commanders were just giving up some of their players, just trying to get as much as they could with little leverage at that point. So 49ers add another stud, former Ohio State rusher. So he and Bosa now get to play together again. The Seahawks have to deal with those guys. they got to deal with Hargrave. they got to deal with Armstead, who has killed them over the years. So this is clearly the matchup that favors the 49ers, especially against an offensive line that is still not at full strength for the Seahawks. I think if you're looking from Seattle's perspective offensively, though, there is a major injury that the 49ers suffered. Fanga now out for the season with a torn ACL, a player that I hold in very high regard. I think he's one of the best young safeties in football. He's played really well against the Seahawks. He had a forced fumble on Geno Smith last year on a on a blitz. He's picked him off before. He's not obviously going to be available now for the rest of the season, and that means that Jair Brown is going to have the opportunity now to be the starter for the 49ers. I look at that and think, look, Seattle has not used their tight ends worth a darn for about six weeks. If there's a game where they finally decide, you know what, Noah Fan and Colby Parkinson and Will Disley are all pretty good tight ends. Let's get them involved in the passing game. That neutralizes those pass rushers a little bit. If there's a game where you finally wake up and start using those guys, I think that this could be a game where you're able to do that because the 49ers now have a backup in its safety, one of their best defensive players out for the season. That might be an area where the Seahawks can exploit a, a advantage for them on offense while also neutralizing the biggest advantage for San Francisco defensively. Well, one thing we saw Tampa Bay do, especially when Talanoa Hufunga went out, was they attacked Jair Brown vertically with their slot receiver. So when I look at a guy like Jack, Jackson Smith and Jigma, you know, yeah. he's a talented first-round pick out of Ohio State. This might be an opportunity for them to try to match Smith and Jigma on Jair Brown vertically somehow, right? 49ers run a lot of quarters coverage. Now, at some point, quarters coverage turns into man, but – when you have a slot receiver pushing vertically on the safety, it kind of has a two-way go, and safety has to play more honest. So if I'm the Seahawks, can we figure out a way to match him up vertically and maybe have an, uh, an advantage there in the secondary? Uh, outside of that, I think Jair has done a good job. He rebounded after getting beat, beat, uh, beat, getting beat vertically last week, had an interception that really kind of sealed off the game for the San Francisco 49ers in the end zone, picking off Baker Mayfield. Um, off of a deflected pass. So uh, I think he's kind of going to be the X factor for the 49ers. How does he play in the first 
opportunity to, you know, be a part of the game plan, be in there full time, understand like, hey, this is what they're going to be asked of me. Because prior to last week, he didn't have any real significant time on getting any real defensive snaps. Most of it was special teams. It's weird that I'm going to be saying my X factor is on the defensive side of the ball. He's a guy the Seahawks paid $51 million this offseason. But Draymond Jones has had kind of a quiet year, and there have been some games where he's been more disruptive than his stat line shows. This last game on Sunday, watching live, I didn't think he did much against the Rams, but he had a handful of pressures in that game, made a couple of nice plays against the run. But he's been playing off edge some. So Jachena Nuosu has been out for the year now for almost a month. They have been using Draymond Jones there. And I look at the matchups, obviously Trent Williams, he is still one of the best tackles in the NFL, but the 49ers lost Mike McGlinchey in the offseason. And if there is a position where I feel like the Seahawks can take advantage of the 49ers, they've got guard injuries right now that they're dealing with. You've also got a new starting right tackle. Draymond Jones is going to be that movable piece that's going to play both inside and out. He is the X factor to me in this game because they didn't have him last year. Brock Purdy was able to just sit back there and pick him apart. Can they get that pass rush going with Draymond Jones being the headliner? He really has not been that to this point. It's been Boye Mafe. Somebody's got to help Boye Mafe, though. Draymond Jones, to me, is a guy going into this game. If he can play to his capabilities with that versatility against an offensive line that's got some injuries, they've had turnover, maybe you could take advantage of playing at home with that home crowd behind you and get after Brock Purdy and maybe force him into mistakes, something they could not do last year because they had no pass rush against the 49ers. Yeah, 49ers last year had Aaron Banks playing terrific. He was a second-year left guard at that time. This year, he started off the season playing well again. Well, he's out. He's been out with a turf toe injury, and John Feliciano, who has filled in for him, has actually done a really good job. Where the issues on the 49ers offensive line has been, and this is where maybe Jones and even Boye Mafe can kind of take advantage of, is the right side of the 49ers offensive line. Uh, Spencer Burford, who a lot of people expect to actually kind of take a back seat to Feliciano once Aaron Banks is back. Uh, Burford has not been great. Last year, he was rotating in and out with uh, Daniel Brunskill most of the year, really throughout the entire season. Well, Brunskill is gone. So Burford has been having to hold it down, and it has been very up and down as most people would expect. At the right tackle position, you have McKivitz. McKivitz has not been great. And as well as Brett Purdy has been last year having a perfect quarterback rating, 158. Point three, he still was sacked four times. You know, that there, there has been a lot of pressure on him. Now, he's been able to offset a lot of the pressure by really getting the ball out of his hands quick, timing and rhythm. I think just a heavy uh, play-action style offense helps as well, kind of offset an offensive line that isn't playing necessarily well. But if the Seattle Seahawks can get the 49ers in a position to where they have to be more of a drop-back passing team, that's when guys like Jones and Mafe can really kind of be the X-factors in this game and take advantage of what has been uh, not a great offensive line, especially that right side. Yeah, getting some pressure on Purdy. And the other thing that always concerns you playing the 49ers is yards after the catch with Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, who really dominated Reek Woolen last year. One of the few games that Woolen has not played well in since coming to the NFL He's got to have that in the back of his mind. But Devin Witherspoon was brought in. I think one of the reasons they drafted him is they were looking at that matchup at Debo, against Debo Samuel. I just think that is that is the ultimate football fans matchup there. Two guys that are extremely physical, play the game with high energy, tenacity. 
Those two guys are going to be going against each other. This is the game that you were bringing in a guy like Devin Witherspoon. And so that's one of those really exciting matchups that I know that fans on both sides are going to be looking forward to. And if the Seahawks can limit the yak for the 49ers, gives them a better chance to win this game. If not, there's a chance this thing could get really ugly early, as we've seen the last couple of years when the 49ers have been able to pull away. A lot of that's been that yak yardage that they've been able to generate. Now, let's switch gears now, Croc, to our keys to victory going into this game. And from a 49ers perspective, they're going to come in as a seven-point favorite. I actually thought it might be a little more than that with the way they're playing the last few weeks, how Seattle ended up collapsing on Sunday against the Rams. They just haven't played up to their potential, even though they're six and four. It just feels like there's still been a lot left on the bone that they have not been able to take care of going into this Thanksgiving game. 49ers on the road at Lumen Field. What are you looking at from an offensive perspective? What do the 49ers need to do to go into town and for a second straight year win on Thursday night at Lumen Field? You know, I think for the 49ers is really get the run game going. When you look at that three-game losing streak for the by the 49ers, losing to the Cleveland Browns, uh, where they lost Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey midway through that game, losing to the Minnesota Vikings, and then losing to the Cincinnati Bengals, you know, the run game, especially the yards per carry for Christian uh, McCaffrey was really down in those games. So can you establish a run game and kind of get things going early on to where now you make the Seattle Seahawks defense have to play a little bit more honest, where you have to respect the run, and then that's where the 49ers want to set up their passing plays, especially those big chunk yardage plays. You know, you talked about uh, the yards after catch from the 49ers. One area where they probably are drastically improved is hitting those 20-yard passes. And it feels like Brock Purdy is hitting them with ease every single game. And I think a big part of it is getting the run game going early on. Uh, there has not been a better quarterback in that 10 to 20 yard range or since Brock Purdy has taken over. And that's kind of his sweet spot. Uh, so and the 49ers are going to really be trying to get those chunk plays right there. And I think it's really going to start with, again, getting that run game going early on from Christian McCaffrey, get him rolling and get that yards per carry up a little bit more. So it makes the Seattle Seahawks defense have to play more honest. Yeah. And I think from a defensive standpoint for the Seahawks going off what you just said, if the 49ers are able to get Christian McCaffrey and company rolling early with that ground game, it's going to be really difficult for the Seahawks to have a chance to win this game. And this is not a slight on Brock Purdy at all. I think Brock Purdy has been fantastic. You can make a very good argument that he is a top 10 quarterback at this point. So this is not being disrespectful to him. This just tells you the talent that the 49ers have going into this game. I feel like the Seahawks number one priority has got to be slowing down Christian McCaffrey. They cannot let that run game take over and have the play action coming off it because we saw last year when these two teams met, when the 49ers were able to get that run game going and the play action, the Seahawks had no answer. And that's when things got away from them. These games were close and then suddenly they weren't. And so in this game, the Seahawks, other than the Ravens loss a few weeks ago, they've been really good against the run. They've been giving up under three and a half yards per carry at every other game on average. But this is going to be that test. Can you avoid what happened against Baltimore Playing at home is going to help your cause, but can you get off your blocks? Can you play consistent gap responsibility and put the ball in Brock Purdy's court? Allow your pass rushers maybe to get after him a little bit more because the run game isn't overly effective. And I think this is a game you've got to create at least one turnover in plus territory. You're the underdog. 
You need to find a way to get a quick turnover in 49ers territory and then capitalize on it on offense. It's one of those games where you're going to need a few of those bounces to go your way because you are the heavy underdog. And I think that's the key. Can you get that turnover in plus territory? Can you at least keep the run game from going off and dominating and setting up the play action? If they can do those two things, then Seattle can hang tough in this game, and it gives them a chance to at least at least be in the mix late in the fourth quarter, if not pull the upset. Yeah, and I think when you think about kind of keys to victory for the San Francisco 49ers, it probably starts on the defense side of the ball. Think about the losses the 49ers had, especially the last two, the one with the Cincinnati Bengals and the other one against the Minnesota Vikings. Like They just could not get off the field at all. So – defensively, the 49ers are going to have to really slow down guys like Geno Smith, especially if he's out there. When you watch how Geno Smith was able to play against the 49ers last year, I understand everybody's going to look at the results and they were 0-3, but he was very, very, very efficient. He was, you know, a high, very high completion percentage in those games. If those completion uh, – if that completion percentage for the Seattle Seahawks and Geno Smith can turn into moving the sticks and being first downs, I think that's where they can kind of make this a much more competitive game than a lot of people think. So Geno Smith being able to move the sticks early on and keep the 49ers defense more honest, that will really help. So the X factor for me is you got to get those stops. You got to get pressure on Geno right away. You got to get the sacks. That's why you pay Nick Bosa the big bucks. That's why you brought in guys like Chase Young. The defense is going to be that X factor early on in the key matchup uh, for victory, in my opinion. Yeah, this is going to sound like a broken record to Seahawks fans. But, I mean, the Seahawks are 32nd in the NFL in third down conversion rate in the third quarter and the fourth quarter. Both of them. They have been atrocious. 20% conversion rate. In the first quarter, they're ranked third in the NFL. Again, it goes back to the idea this has been a very fast starting offense and then the wheels fall off. And they have not been able to figure that problem out. This is not a good defense to go against trying to fix that problem. But at the same time, if the Seahawks can have more success on early downs and stick with the run game, Shane Waldron, he gets into neglect mode way too early with the run game, which that's got to bother Pete Carroll being the coach that he is liking to run the football. But they've got to stick with that ground game, even if it's not working early. Try to get some positive plays and early downs so you're not in those really bad third down situations. They need manageable third downs, and Geno Smith has shown that he can convert those. But if you're consistently in third and 10 and plus against this defense with the pass rushers they've got, uh, that is going to be a recipe for disaster. So I think it isn't even just about the third down conversions. It's about early down efficiency and avoiding the turnover. That is what killed him last year in that game. At home, Seattle had a chance to maybe go down and tie or take the lead, and then Traverius Ward returns a fumble from Travis Homer for a touchdown, and you have that huge swing. Seattle did not recover after that point. You can't have back-breaking turnovers like that in this football game if you want to have a chance to win. If they play clean football and they're able to improve on their third-down conversions, play better on early downs, Seattle has the weapons to be able to compete with San Francisco, but we just haven't seen that consistency. Could this be the game of all games where they find some consistency? We'll have to wait and see. Sometimes they play up to their competition in the Pacific Northwest. As far as predictions, a little bit different this week. Normally, I dish out my predictions on Fridays. Well, we have a game on Thursday night, so we actually are going to do our game predictions here on this game day version of Crossover Thursday. Seahawks are seven-point underdogs going to this game Croc, what do you think happens 
tonight in this game between two bitter NFC West rivals. Do the 49ers cover that spread or do the Seahawks end up playing much tougher than expected or even pull the upset in this game? You know, I think divisional games are always extremely tough, especially the road team traveling on a Thursday game. So I know the 49ers are favored by seven or so points. And listen, I've seen the 49ers. They can definitely run away with a game. And all of a sudden, it could be a seven-point game, game. Then they win by 17, and they end up scoring 30 points. We've seen that over and over. Uh, because I have a little bit more respect for Pete Carroll, I won't say that it happened. But short week. Quick turnaround. I think the 49ers get a win, but I think it's closer than most people think. I would say 23-17 San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, you're more optimistic from a Seahawks perspective than what I am going into the game. <laughs> Probably I, more I, optimistic than most people, but that's just that's more of my respect for Pete Carroll and his ability to get a team ready at home on a short week. I think this is a really tough game to prognosticate because – I have seen the Seahawks struggle against the Rams throughout the Sean McVay era and then turn around and play outstanding games against Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers. It is it has been yearly other than last year that the Seahawks have found ways, oh, they lost to the Rams, but then they go in and they beat the 49ers. I don't expect that to happen in this game. I think it ends up being a double-digit game. I'm going to go with uh, 30-20 to 20 being the final score. But I think it is going to be close up until late in the fourth quarter. I think the 49ers are going to make that knockout punch late. I do think Seattle is going to be able to get a few big plays in the passing game. And I think they're going to be able to find some ways to orchestrate better pass protection, give Geno Smith time to make those throws. I just think the 49ers are just the better football team. I think Seattle has closed the gap some, but not enough to get the win on Thanksgiving night. So I'm going 30 to 20 with it being a game that's within seven points for most of it. I just think the 49ers, their talent in the end is going to lead to that 10 point win, but I expect it to be a very competitive game. It usually is when these two teams get together as always, you can follow me on threads. I'm not on X anymore, but you can follow me on threads at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow croc at Eric underscore Crocker on X Make sure to subscribe to Locked On Seahawks and Locked On 49ers on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast so you don't miss a single episode. We will have post-game analysis coming up on Friday, post-Thanksgiving analysis. Both of us uh, might be a little bloated after the festivities on Thursday, but uh, we will have our shows coming up on Friday. So make sure that you are listening in. Thanks for tuning in here. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Go Hawks. Go Niners.